0: Welcome to What's Your Beef. Each week we will introduce you to people working in the beef industry and some of the characters that help deliver the iconic event that is Beef Australia. Hello, I'm Jane Cuddahy and this is What's Your Beef. Our guest in the hot seat today is one of Northern Australia's biggest authorities on bovine reproduction, Sed Wise. G'day Sed.
1: Good morning Jane.
0: Now I understand that being a cattle vet hasn't always been on your radar.
1: No, that, that that's right. Um, being involved in the cattle industry has always been on my radar since I was a child, but uh, certainly didn't envisage being a vet.
0: You've created quite a long career out of that. So when do, when did that change <laughs>
1: for someone who wasn't yeah.
0: completely sold on it?
1: Yeah, well, uh, it wasn't that I wasn't sold on it; was just I didn't know it existed. Um, I, I grew up on on a um, on a small fruit and veggie farm in in um, the Granite, Um My my family allowed me to have a few cows, uh, which was my passion, just running around the headlands of the of the fruit and veggies. Um, but that was it; that was my entire involvement in the cattle industry. But I love cows, and and that's all I knew. When I finished high school, I just happened to get enough lunch to get to university. Didn't have a clue what they did at university, but one of my mates um, that had gone to boarding school uh, did. And he came up and said, Look, this is all the courses you can do at university. And amongst those courses were veterinary science. And I said, um, You know, what do what they do? And he said, Look after animals. And I said, Does that include cattle? And he said, Yeah, that would. And I said, Well, that'll do me. I'll have a crack at that. And uh, that's what I did.
0: Gosh, that's a lot of work. A vet degree is not something you get overnight. So that's a lot of work to commit yourself to if you, if you, it was a new sort of vocation. Yeah, that's
1: right. Ignorance uh, is bliss, Jane, I guess. And so I just plowed <laughs> on in, you know, and um, didn't, didn't look back really. I, I loved the course. Um, well, I was certainly not the smartest person in, in the course by, by a long stretch, but I uh, loved it. And, um, ate it up and and uh, got, got through. Yeah, so um, I was very lucky. We graduated in um, in 76, uh, right in the middle of the beef depression. And and so that wasn't a great start either, and, and jobs were not plentiful. But um, fortunately, uh, which was a huge stroke of luck on my behalf, was to... Uh, I got a job in the local or well, near, nearby local county, Warwick, um, uh, it was uh, the, um, a vet practice that had uh, three principals. It was Miller Wells and Guard. It was called uh, the, the lead principal, and that was Sid Miller. Mm-hmm. And uh, they, they employed me on a part-time basis uh, on the VTEC scheme, just bleeding cattle for brucellosis. And they gave me a six six-month uh, job, uh, which turned into th- into three years, and. Um, and so that that launched launched my career really i uh, had, had a great mentor in sid miller and um, he he got me going yeah terrific sounds like a terrific, terrific. mentor he was he was uh, indeed He was indeed.
0: Now, I've heard you say that you've spent 40 years at the wrong end of a cow, but given how things have gone, (laughs) I'd say it's the right end, wouldn't you?
1: (laughs) Well, that's about right, do not we?
0: So how did you end up specialising in reproduction? Well, uh,
1: again, that goes back to to Sid Miller. And um, it was when I was um, in in the winter down there uh, in in Warwick, uh, jobs were pretty slow and and um, as I said, we're in the beef depression. And so it, it wasn't uh, an easy gig for the practice owners, that's for sure. And and um, in that time, Sid developed a, a, a great overseas consulting sort of uh, role with um, GRM in those days, Gun Rural Management. Um, and uh, he was off and away. And, and this one particular day, he came home early. And anybody that knew Sid would know that you're not really it's not a good position to be caught sitting down when Sid's around you have to be busy and uh, so uh, Sid came home early and I was in the office just reading about this new concept called embryo transfer and he burst in and you know I was was really uh, quite nervous and um, anyway he said what are you doing and I said oh I'm reading about this this job called embryo transfer Sid Said it's a pretty neat trick, isn't it? And um, he said, Yeah, it is. And he said, you, you should get off your ass and go and <laughs> learn about it. <laughs> um, and so that's what, that's what started it, you know. And with his help, I did. And um, at that time, the, the, a lot of the research was coming out of Colorado State University in Colorado, in the US, um, with two lead researchers being Peter Elson and George Seidel. Peter Elson was an Aussie, um, a hands-on uh, practical vet, and, and George Sodell was a, a great reproductive uh, physiologist probably, and still is one of the greatest uh, anybody's ever seen, I think. Um, anyway, so I wrote over to them and did, to Colorado State University and just said, is there any chance of getting a job there? And um, anyway, I got offered a job in the food animal medicine as a resident there. Which gave me um, half my time spent there was to do uh, what pursuit I liked in in food animal in food animals, and so I chose to do embryo transfer in my time off, as it were, from teaching the teaching role in the university, and um, so that's where I that's where I went and spent the next four years there at the university, um, and. A big part of that time ended up being at the, the um, embryo transfer lab, working with uh, George Sardell and Peter Ellison. So that's where I learned my trade.
0: Gosh. So th- at this at this stage, there's a lot of, um, it seems like the concept of embryo transfer was still quite um, at that research level. Was it a hard sell to producers?
1: Uh, yes, it probably was, I guess, don't yeah. Um, and uh, it, was, it was very new at the time I was at Colorado. Um, uh, it, it was very much a, a research, um, in, in the research phase, really. And there was a lot we didn't know about that side of reproduction at all, where the embryos sat in the, in the uterus, um, you know, where, when, what stage of, of development they were at that various ages, uh, when should insemination occur? All sorts of things that we did uh, a lot of basic research on, and and that was really really helpful. We did have some outside clients bring cattle to the university to be flushed and and um, and, and bring the recipients with them. So that was that was really really early stages, and it was considered uh, you know an in clinic job at those stages. Most certainly was not an on farm job. Uh, and that sort of slowly developed in, in the four years I was there to where we started to do a little bit on stuff, but basically it was an in-clinic thing. And during my time there, um, Sid vis- visited quite often. Um, when he was overseas on overseas consultancy, he'd come back by there and, and spent quite a bit of time with me in the lab as well. And so he picked up the embryo transfer himself and... Um, started getting it going at home with, with a, just a couple of very good clients of his, um, Don Anderson being the, the main one um, at, at the old Inverary called Hereford Stud. And um, Don um, encouraged Sid to, to have a go and uh, between the two of them, they got it operating and then they got another one or two little, or Sid did get another one dairy client in particular that worked well with him and that was basically it. Um, and then slowly, one or two more come on board as they saw what, what Sid was doing um, at Edinburgh. So then I came home in um, at, at the end of my stint in Colorado, and um, again and set up my own practice, which was all sorts of uh, you know just funny games,
0: yeah,
1: funny games, yeah, just small animals, and just worked out of the house at home and on the farm, and and, um, and a few bit of horses with uh, Basil Nolan there at Raheen, and um, and did a bit of work with Sid when he had busy days in the embryo transfer, so I started working with him there again. And uh, slowly but surely that built up and, and he got a little bit more busy and I got uh, to work a lot more with him and um, eventually bought out his um, entire embryo transfer practice in 1988 and then at that time I finished um, any, any sort of mixed practice activities I had and uh, just took on embryo transfer solely.
0: So when did producers really start coming on board then? Because you've talked, you know, that's quite a long time. I'm, and I'm assuming if, you know, you're setting up your own practice by that stage, it is yeah. becoming more widespread. But when did people really start seeing the benefit in it and why? Uh,
1: well, I think uh, the benefit is, is pretty simple as it, as it is today, is that it... Is maximizes the um, the progeny that you can get from um, superior donors or the superior cows. AI had been around for quite a long time, uh, artificial insemination where you maximize the genetic spread of a superior bull, uh, and this embryo transfer then allowed the, you know, allowed us to concentrate on the on the female as well and maximize her genetic uh, potential. So we could take, in, you know, a cow that has one calf a year, maybe has eight or ten calves in her lifetime. You know, now, with this uh, embryo transfer, we could get thirty, forty calves out of her every year, and um, and so her genetic superiority was spread amongst the herd, and that was that's the advantage of it. People started to pick that up, I guess, slowly from about '84 to '88, and. As I said in '88, I took on embryo transfer as a full-time job. That's all I all I did uh, from '88 until now, really. Mm.
0: And so, what has been the the major technological changes that you've seen in that time? Has the concept of embryo well, not the concept, but the the technology around embryo transfer changed much in that thirty forty years? <laughs>
1: That's a good question, Jane, and, and the answer is no. Mm.
0: Well, that's I, there's <laughs> you know, no, only so many ways you can do it. I'm sure. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. that's
1: right. we the results um, from embryo transfer uh, are no different now than they were in in the in the early 80s. You know, we we still get the same number of embryos per donor. We still get the same number of pregnancies per per embryo transfer. All those things. We've changed a lot uh, in in hormonal regimes, in particular. Uh, which just the, it makes it um, less labour-intensive and more user-friendly, I guess. Um, so we've got things like fixed-time heat detection where we don't have to be out in the paddock every four hours watching cows uh, coming on heat. Uh, those sorts of things uh, have have made it more convenient, more more um, you know, uh, readily available to those that aren't really astute cattlemen or cattle people. Um, but... But the the end result hasn't changed. You know well, what has changed, I guess, is um, uh, our, our skill or you know being job fit. I guess um, in that you know in the, in the early days, as I said, I worked with Sid in you know, 80, 85, 86, 87, um And at that time, you know, he would go out. He could he figured he could do two donors, flush two donor cows, and and um, in a day he reckoned after that time he got too tired and he couldn't do a good job and you could transfer um i think it was four or six embryos per hour gosh and and now you know there's nothing for us to to front up and do 10 to 15 up to 20 donors a day and we transfer 30, 30 an hour gosh. so and and you know, we, that was unthinkable. So is <laughs> the, the, the reason
0: you're doing so many of them now is it, it's becoming more affordable for producers to have this process done or accessible? Oh, so, uh,
1: yeah. You know, our, our price per calf on the ground really hasn't changed since 84. <laughs> and yeah. um, and uh, so the price that they get for their project has obviously increased a lot. Um, and so we've only been able to do that uh, to, to keep the price down by doing more. Uh, in an end a day, you know. So yeah,
0: and you're travelling everywhere. So you're talking to me from Hewenden today. You've been to Charters yep. Towers, Collinsville. You're going up to Normanton. You're all over Queensland. Who's who's using this service? Is it it's is it sort of the bigger bigger end of the scale, or is it smaller producers trying to get that core herd?
1: The principle of embryo transfer and the cost of embryo transfer means that it is confined to stud breeders. You cannot make Money enough money enough extra money out of producing a a steer or or uh, you know mm. a a marketable animal mm-hmm. to sell it as beef uh, you, you know if, if you do a lot of a lot of embryo transfer and you got great cars on the ground, the extra extra pounds of beef or kilos of beef that you get on the ground uh, as a result of that will not pay for the embryo transfer mm. um and so we've got to, the owners or the producers that use our services. Cell genetics, and so they—they're they're selling. They—they're using embryo transfer, using superior donor cows and the best bulls they can find um, to produce bull cows for sale, basically. And 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 in a lot of cases, the you know the heifer progeny are also valuable, and sometimes have been more valuable. Um, so they have to be uh, stud producers, really. The the possible exception to that is the Wagyu, where you know with the uh, the high price of the high marbling beef um, you could almost um, make a dollar out of producing, uh, flushing you know, great donor cows to the best marbling bull you got and, and make, dollar, make a dollar out of that um, by selling the beef but in the majority it, it is selling genetics and so we work from, from small uh, producers to, to the small studs so, guys and myself, 30 40 bulls a year um, to, to the really big guys um, that are using embryo transfer to produce bulls for their own use. Mm. But it is still, you know, it's a genetic gain that they're after. And so it's, it's not beef, it's genetics.
0: Now, you're part of the International Embryo Transfer Society. You're also a member of the American College, I'm going to say this wrong, Theo. Theory genealogy, thank you. i yeah. practised before and I still can't say it. Um, <laughs> but there's obviously a real um, international community on embryo transfer and reproductive genetics and, and research. Yeah. How important is it to have that um, overseas influence and, and community?
1: Oh, I think it just it keeps us up with the technologies uh, for sure. Um, you know, the International Embryo Transfer Society um, has, um, you know, they're very, very good, updates all the time on, on new new practices that have been found to be a benefit uh, from around the world.
0: Is it an active community? Like is it fairly mutually beneficial with sharing of information and, and uh, advances? Yeah,
1: abs- absolutely it is. Yeah, absolutely it is. It's uh, you know, They have an annual conference every year somewhere in the world. It's uh,
0: Of course, that's the right only reason we're a part of these international societies, isn't it, <laughs> To go on the annual conference
1: yeah <laughs> yeah that's right uh only travel isn't nobody pays for more i'm going to pay for my own but oh. but uh yeah it is <laughs> it's true but um, you get to tackle it, see, being
0: the boss though you get to tack on the trip at the end though don't yeah you? yeah that's, that's got to be a benefit
1: happen, but, yeah you would think so it has <laughs> not happen but, no, but you don't no, have time it's it, 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 um it, it is a it is a good community in that regard you know uh doesn't have secrets I don't think um, you know, any, anybody that finds a, a better technique uh, it seems to be pretty rapidly spread amongst the rest of us um, and um, uh, it also there's a, there's a large international trade in, in embryos and, and, and semen but uh, embryos uh, is a quite common way of distributing jet genetics around the world yeah. and in the IETS um, along with the uh, OIE uh, Organisation of International Gazoidics. um, they, they form the guidelines for that trade so that it is, it is safe from a biosecurity point of view. Mm. So uh, that's the other reason for belonging to the IETS. It tells us you know how we should label the straws, how we should uh, grade the embryos, et cetera, et cetera, and what disease tests we need to, to do to ensure that, they're, that they are safe.
0: Absolutely valuable information, though, but I guess that's really opened up the world for um, breeding, hasn't it? Yes, it has.
1: Yep. And it's, um, it's much you know, easier it's... than
0: paying to bring an entire beast over. I don't think you can't even do yeah, that. Absolutely,
1: you? And, and infinitely safer. You know, yeah. um, it's cheaper and safer um, by, by a long, long way.
0: Now, you've talked about your mentor in CIT. Um, You now have members of your family working in and for and with you in your business. How did that evolve?
1: For better or for worse, I think it have instilled the love of the land <laughs> in my children. It's or, a curse. All, all of them.
0: Yeah. Being one of those families yeah. that that's happened to too, it's definitely a curse. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 I reckon it's... Um, it's the worst form of child abuse, isn't it? Is to, to um, leave your, your, your um, child a, a property. But, <laughs> yeah. um, but, um,
0: depends how many yeah. children you have, I guess. Yeah, well, that's right. <laughs> that's,
1: right. that's right. So I have three children uh, a daughter, the oldest, and, and two boys. Uh, the daughter is, is not directly involved in the business, but is in the business as such. Um, um, lives on her own piece of land just at her Toowoomba, and is nice and close. Mm. And then I have uh, two sons. One is an accountant, but uh, is now doing just a little bit of accounting work outside um, our own business. He really runs the business. He loves the land and, and loves breeding cattle, and has sort of um, spearheaded uh, the anger stud that we've we've had for a long, long time. And um, he's he's um, doing great things on that. And as as well, uh, we have a be business in the recipient herd where we run about uh, five or 600 cows and put eggs in belonging to other people, whether we collect them ourselves or you know, they're brought in from somewhere else. We put them in and deliver them back the wean calf. And so that, that's a, a, a big job. And uh, so we've got a few men on board uh, running that show, and Aaron oversees that whole, that whole operation. Mm-hmm. So he manages all that. Uh, then the youngest son, um, he followed me in the, in the veterinary science. Uh, graduated from,
0: and he had some grade. idea what he was getting into, and he yeah, still did it. He,
1: he certainly
0: did. They all,
1: they all knew about um, about embryo transfer, particularly. They, they all three of them did a lot of miles uh, with me, and you uh, had to search for eggs and grade embryos at uh, very, very young age. Um, Just what um, every
0: kid dreams of. Yeah, that's all right. That's yeah. all right.
1: That's all right. That's right. Uh, So anyway, Adam graduated at JCU and was very lucky to get a a job um, in in a dairy practice in Western Victoria for the first four years after graduation. And and those guys were really great to him. And um, he learned a lot about the inside of a cow in in a short period of time because it was intense dairy work. Uh, And after that, he's come home now, uh, been home for four years already, I think. And um yeah, it's just uh, him and I just share the work um embryo transfer and we do a lot of semen testing and bulls as well and um so that's what we do. And your yes, wife your uh, wife's
0: involved too, isn't she?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. She's uh, well, you gotta have a boss and so um, <laughs> I got I, I got one of those and I've <laughs> got a few uh, by who, the sounds of it. Well, I've got a lot of bosses. I certainly <laughs> have ten pecked, but um yeah. <laughs> But, um, oh well, uh, she uh, she's she's um, does a, all my embryo transfer uh, search, all the embryo searching, so the lab work when we're on the road mm-hmm. uh, for the embryo stuff, and uh, all the book work obviously on the on the day. So um, writing down yes. which which recipients got which egg and all that sort of stuff. Um, yeah, God, so nice. we travelled We travelled the length and breadth of Australia, New Zealand, and doing that. Um, yeah, together. Yeah, huh.
0: fabulous. Well, I was going to ask, there's so much happening at home and, you know, your your work life is obviously takes you all over the place. When you are at home, what are you, what are you doing? Besides, do you have downtime?
1: Uh, yeah, we do. We um, we flush cows at home. Yeah, yeah, that's... yeah. <laughs> that's exactly <laughs> no, what I expected you to say. <laughs> yeah. We don't really. No. Um, we took our first annual holiday um, last year. We went to Botswana. Uh, Rory's brother's over there, so we took the opportunity. Um, before you came home to uh, visit Botswana, which was a great, but really our first,
0: first. Botswana holiday. is an amazing part of the world. It is indeed. Had a ball. a ball. But,
1: mm. edible, edible, but um. did
0: you have to? You wouldn't have to have done many embryo transfers over there either, would you?
1: No, none, none. Thank you. That. thank you. That. Now, said so we're here no.
0: because we're talking about um, beef Australia. The event is coming up, but it will be here before we know it. Um, you know, a lot of the focus is on the networking and social components, but it's also a terrific showcase of. Um, you know, your line of work, uh, new technologies and that sort of thing. What do you really love about beef?
1: Oh, the first bit, the social interaction, <laughs> I guess, you know. You have to catch up with all your old mates and, and have a beer with them. It's it's very good. We've, I think I've been just about every beef um, since 88 and so in one way or another shown cattle there ourselves um,
0: you'd have a lot of clients uh, there as well surely a lot, a lot of
1: clients there yeah. um, and a lot of a lot of the cattle that, that i saw as as uh, little baby embryos are out in the ring now as, as well which is a thrill as i said we've set up we've been there as as an exhibitor with angus cattle we've been there in our own right as said was uh, artificial breeders uh, just promoting embryo transfer and now, of course, we're, we've also been part ownership with, in Rocky Repro, which is a semen collection centre just out of Rocky. So we, the last three weeks, I think, we've had a joint stand there with, with Rocky Repro and ourselves as um, in, in, the, in the sort of genetics yep. hub there.
0: That is a big week um, for you.
1: Yeah, it's a busy week. It's a busy week. A lot of talking. Yeah. A, a lot of lozenges. But it, it's, it's a great, a loz- great Lozenges?
0: Week. Is that what we're calling them now? Um, yeah, that's so, what we call
1: them. Yeah. yeah.
0: Now, I want yeah. to ask you, though, if you've been to all the beef, obviously genetics are your main bread and butter. Mm-hmm. How has the, the cattle changed in that time? The, the, like the quality of, of oh, beef and yeah. its centering, looking around the centering for that, um, over that time? What's the most dramatic change you've seen?
1: One, uh, the one dramatic change has been the breeds. You know that in the early days there was um,
0: the know, variety of breeds. You mean a, a
1: variety of breeds? Yeah, yeah. You know, the, we had um, the Harriers, the Piedmontese, whatever. You know, all sorts of um, different breeds there. That seems to have. Set, I mean, they're, they're all still there, but uh, the focus is definitely on on a. On a Sort of select few breeds in, in the whole cattle industry now. It's not only
0: so. You feel like it's best. actually becoming smaller. Those focus breeds.
1: The smaller the yeah the the breeds are uh, less evenly distributed. I guess you know mm-hmm. we're getting uh, obviously a big Brahmin, There's um, Santa and Droughty, like the tropically adapted breeds that are heavily represented in in the north.
0: Why do you think that it's it's people are j- just f- focusing on Quality or just yeah
1: yep absolutely the quality and, and survivability you know we've got to, there's no doubt that the economics is getting tighter and tighter and you've got to produce a better and better article um, and the adaptation to the environment so you have got your browns and, and your tropically adapted uh, breeds uh, are a big thing so that there's less less inputs from um, uh, in, in terms of labour and, and drenching and all that sort of thing. And, and on, on the southern end, uh, you know, the, the, those breeds that, that produce the, the, best beef. So we've got Wagyu, which aren't shown obviously, but they still have a big presence in beef, beef week. But, uh, you know, the Angus and the, and the Herefords, um, and, the, and the combinations, uh, of those, uh, are, are producing great quality meals at the end of the day. And, um, yeah, so that, that's the focus these days is to get, an economic steak that everybody can afford that is great eating quality.
0: While we're talking about eating quality, I've been asking all of the guests on our podcast what their favourite Wednesday night beef cut is. I don't want to show off, please. Though I feel like with you because you spend so much time, you're never at home to cook or choose something mm-hmm. for a Wednesday night. What, um, what do you, What's your favourite pub fare? I'm assuming that you're going to have to eat in some pubs around the place on your travels. No,
1: we, we we don't actually. Oh yeah. We, we live in a we we uh, we'll family have a caravan with a, with a gooseneck. Yeah. Oh, so a gooseneck. It's a, it's All right, good. Well you still
0: <laughs> gotta go into the supermarket or the local butcher <laughs> then to pick something. So what are you yep, getting? Yep. What's your favorite? So we
1: just get you know, as I can tell you it's exactly the same every night. It's a cube roll that we spice <laughs> up ourselves. So in the in in the winter it's a cube roll and veggies, in the summer it's a cube roll and salads. <laughs> wow.
0: Well you so consistent that's, at that's, least yeah. said that's impressive. Yeah.
1: Hell, then you can go. You can work a long time on that. I can tell you. So <laughs> um, that that that's basically. I mean, I, I enjoy all forms of, all forms of beef, particularly. And um, uh, we have we swap it up every now and again to get a bit of pork and stop and, it and lamb. That's crazy. That's yeah, beef is more stable than that. There's there's no line. That's it. Uh, and so you know, I enjoy from um, you know brisket through through to whatever you know. Beef cheeks, uh, a good, beef, cheeks and yeah, beef cheeks, yeah, beef cheeks. Yeah, we had them at that. Um, what, beef a few years ago at that one of those restaurants on the on the side of beef where they served up all sort of the. Oh, um I, I love alike. beef
0: cheeks. I reckon it's a delicious yeah. pasta sauce. We have it a lot. Yeah, it,
1: it is good. It is good, and um, you know. But then I enjoy, you know, corned beef and mashed potato as well. Second. So, you know, yeah.
0: but well, uh, you're you're yeah. only human. <laughs> <laughs> So what's yeah. next? Sid? You, 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 I feel like you're still at a million miles an hour, and you, yeah. um, you know it's been a long career. Is there any? What, what's your ten year plan? Are you still going to be doing this in you know your retirement, or or is that just yeah. a, a word well, that doesn't exist? Yeah.
1: In ten, I'm 57 now, so I'm in ten years. Oh
0: gosh, no, you're still a spring chicken. Okay, keep yeah, going. that's
1: right. <laughs> <laughs> ten ten years is a long time
0: these days, but. Um, Twenty years,
1: but uh, <laughs> twenty years. Yeah, no. I, I mean, we we know nothing else than what we're doing, and um, we can't retire because we don't have any friends at home. Really, you know, they're all on the road, <laughs> and so um, yeah, my ideal would be, and this is we're transitioning to this now, is to have you know, the boys doing their thing and um, taking over, and uh, increasingly taking over my role and and on their support. So.
0: You're a consultant. You, know, love, love,
1: you can charge yeah, consultancy no, fees. No. Yeah. no, I don't want to be a consultant. I want to be on the road, but, um, <laughs> um, but I, I love spraying weeds and, and working on the farm and as much as anybody and, and also love being on the road. So if we can just slow down a little bit and have the boys take over and just um, you know do the same things but a little bit less hectic. That would be my ideal. Yeah, spend a bit more time with the green kids.
0: Excellent. And
1: still do what we do. Yeah. Well, it sounds
0: terrific. Well, look, said it's been a terrific time chatting with you. I'll um I'll let yeah. you get back on the road, but we'll look forward to catching you uh, at Beef Twenty One.
1: We'll be definitely there. <laughs> yeah.
0: Oh, yeah. Okay, I'll back. have to book in a time by the sounds of it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay, thanks, Ed. Thanks for listening. You can hit subscribe to make sure you don't miss any of our episodes. And if you are enjoying listening to the show, we would appreciate a quick rating and review. Visit beefaustralia.com.au for more information on this great event.